Hey there, my name is Derek Duvall, and I'm the lead pastor of Awakened City Church in Harriman, Utah, a suburb of Salt Lake City. And I want to thank you for checking us out. Awakened City exists to connect people from all walks of life with the hope that's found in Jesus. And we hope this message will be a blessing to you. For more information, you can visit awakenslc.com. Awaken City, it is good to be with you here this morning. It is, it is good to, to have another opportunity to walk through God's Word with you. Um, and today, if you want to mark your Bibles, we'll be in Romans chapter 8. And what we're going to look at is, is verses 26 through 30 today. And what I think you will find is that these verses we're going to look at show us some of the greatest promises of God. You see, just a minute ago, I saw you, some of you raise your hands, and I know some may have not raised their hands, but the reality is that as we walk through this life, there are moments that we are going to face, that we are going to go through, where in our weakness, we need Jesus and we need everything that he has for us. You see, if I was willing to bet this morning, I would say that, that, that all of us have probably been through one of those moments. One of those moments where everything seems to be happening all around us. There's, there's all these events that are taking place. There's all these questions that we have. There's all of these, these uncertainties. And maybe there's bad things happening in the moment. And we're left sitting there alone saying, God, we need you. And what I want us to, to see today that, that we can have assurance in our weakness is that through God's word, there are promises filled throughout this book that impact our lives every day, that we can put our faith and our trust in today. And friends, the, the, the verses we're going to look at are some that have been very important to me over the years. And I believe that these are wonderful passages because we're going to find three assurances in there that we can walk day by day trusting Jesus, knowing that he is at work through what he has said in his word. And so if you want to open your Bibles this morning, I have a different translation than what's in your seat, but the, the, uh, the, the screen should be correct. If you want to walk with me through these first couple of verses, we're going to get started. And we're going to see how this promise he wrote to this church in Rome applies to us still today. Starting in verse 26, and this is what he says. He says, in the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You see, the first assurance I want us to look at today in our weakness, it says this, or my first point would be for the day would be this. That when our weakness prevents us from praying effectively, the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and prays in our place. You see, the readers of Paul's day were very familiar with the subject of suffering. In fact, right before this, in chapter 8, you will see that he says the, the, the Holy Spirit will come in their suffering and bring hope. 
And he begins this section and he says, in the same way, just as you can be assured that in our suffering, the Holy Spirit's going to bring us hope, you can be assured that in our weakness, he will come to our aid. You see, weakness is a human condition we've faced from the beginning. All of us live in a world that has been impacted by sin. Our lives have been impacted by sin. And even though for those of us who who have salvation in Jesus today, there's still times when we get it wrong. There's still times when we get in the way. And our weakness is elevated and and it prevents us, like he says, from praying the way that we should. You see, there, there, there's, there's many reasons, I think, that, that we don't pray as we should. Some of it has to do with, with our lack of understanding. Some has to do with, with maybe it's a lack of faith. Maybe it's too much belief in myself that I've got the answers, that I've got the way, that I know the plans, and that if I spell it right perfectly on my task list of things to do, then my will will be achieved and everything will be right. But you see, that strength that we think we have in our head is in fact our weakness. Because we've put a lot of faith in us and less faith in Jesus. You see, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit knows. He knows our frailty. He knows our weaknesses. And in God's love and in his empathy for us, he, it says that, that, that he takes our place. Not just that he prays on our behalf, but when we don't even have the words sometime to, to, to vocalize a prayer to God, the Holy Spirit says, I've got this, and steps in our place and prays for the very thing that we need. It says he prays for the saints according to the will of God, the perfect will of God. You see, that's a comforting promise for us today. Because we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. In fact, we don't really have the ability to perfectly understand the will of God and the mind of God. And we walk according to what we think is right with him. And and, and part of that, when we get it right, is because of this very thing. We have the Holy Spirit who has aligned his words with God's plan for our life and is praying for the very thing we wish we could pray for at times. I mean, there's been moments in my life where I'm like, God, I just don't know. Lord, I don't know what's next. I don't even know what to pray for. And you know, the, the good thing is that when I don't know, he's, he's already achieving those perfect prayers. The Holy Spirit has already in my place because I've been bought with the blood of Jesus and I've put my faith in him. He's already stood in that place for me, praying for me, praying for you. And you see, we, we, we know that it's in line with God's will because verse 27, it says this. It says that, and he, being God who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The one who searches our hearts is God. And he hears every prayer and petition that the Spirit makes on our behalf. In fact, it says that he speaks, that he prays in these groanings that are inexpressible. It's a groan from the depth of who we are. Those who who believe in Jesus today, when we don't know what to pray for, and when we're trying to figure things out within us, the Spirit is working something in us to, to, to desire God's will. Our greatest desire as followers of Jesus is to walk in line with what He wants for our life. 
It's to know his plans. It's to walk confidently in his promises. And the Holy Spirit is there praying and God is hearing. Even in our silence, he's working. And just when we need him, he's there. You see, the, the movie industry has done really good at, at doing that, 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 that scene where just in the moment when someone needs something, right, someone steps in the way. Like if there's a movie with a rock in it, there's going to be a, a point in the movie where somebody is in desperation, right? Like Fast and the Furious and all those movies, like someone's going to fall off a ledge eventually. Like we can almost predict it at this point. And right in that moment when someone goes over the ledge, right, there's another person that comes in and dives for them and grabs a twig that realistically wouldn't hold the weight of like a a toddler and reaches down and grabs this person and pulls them up just in the nick of time before they fall. You see, the difference between that in our lives is that we don't have to be on a ledge for the Holy Spirit to be at work. You see, it's in our good times and our bad times that the Holy Spirit is actively interceding for us in our place, working in our life. And I think we see the evidence of that in this next verse. Look with me here at uh, verse 28. And what we're going to find is is that as the Holy Spirit prays in perfect alignment with God, God then works all things for our good. Let's look at this. He says, we know. Hang on to that word. We know that all things work together together. For the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. We can know that. It may not seem like it today. The church in Rome at the time, when when Christians faced persecution and crucifixion was a very real thing in the life of the church, they very well knew people, probably within their own family, that faced that outcome for their faith. They faced hardships of what it was like to leave one faith for another. Some of you know that story all too well. And what comes with it. And Paul is reminding them, he says, we can know this. For a fact, because we believe that God's word is is truth. And this leads me to my second point, and it's that God uses every high point Every low point, every meaningful moment, every unmeaningful moment, every sin and every victory for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purposes. You see, if you put your faith in Jesus today, there's purpose in your suffering. It may not seem like it right now. It may seem hard and difficult. It may seem like, God, I don't even know what to do. But Paul is telling a group of believers, much like ourselves, 2,000 years ago, trust Jesus. Have faith in what he said. Because I think it's pretty hard to get wrong the words, all things. Like, I mean, it's it's, it's not, it has to be pretty, I mean, I don't even know how you can get all things wrong, right? It means everything. The context of this verse, he was writing to them was suffering. Or in the, in the passage before this, in, in the section in chapter 8, he was writing to them on their suffering and on their faith. And, and he doesn't just say like in your suffering, he says all things. 
all things. That means that, that as we walk with him and we, 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 we seek to, to live for him, whether it's a good day or a bad day, he's going to use it. Every death, every circumstance, every sickness, every choice, every relationship, every word. Every moment of every day, God is working within the heart of the believer to shape them and form them to be what he wants them to be, to guide you in the direction he wants you to go. You see, good here, though, it doesn't mean prosperity. There's a misbelief going around today, as many of you know, called the prosperity gospel, that they believe that if you follow Jesus, then everything's going to work out perfectly, right? Or you're going to be, you're going to be healthy, you're going to be wealthy, you're going, to, you're going to have all of these things. God wants you to be rich. Wrong. Like, that's not what we're saying here. We're not saying that life is going to just work out for, for every plan and purpose that you come up with. He's not saying that, that if you wish it, then, then, then God will will it. No. What he's saying is that as you live your life for Jesus, that suffering and that victory are going to work together. They're going to mesh together for this ultimate plan that God has for you. And, it, and, it's, and it's for your good. Your good being the best in life, which is God's will. Sometimes we don't see God's will and we pray as if we know what's the best, but we just learned that, that there's hope in that because even when we get it wrong there, the Holy Spirit's already been working for us. God has paved a way for our life. And he's already set it in motion. You see, recently, um, I've gotten into jigsaw puzzles. Anybody else? Anybody else? There's a few of us in the room, and the rest of you are like my wife, I guess. She can't stand them. For some reason, they stress her out, but, but for me, it's, it's just something about it. It's like you're, you're taking all these meaningless pieces, and you're putting them together, and, and they make this, this beautiful picture at the end. Or if you're my family, it's usually this epic scene from a comic book with Batman or, or something in it, and we have this great picture that we can then put up on, the, on one of the rooms in our, in our kids' rooms. But, I, but I've really liked jigsaw puzzles lately. And you see, from God's perspective, our, our life is like the puzzle's already complete. He knows how each of these pieces here are going to fit perfectly. He knows the purpose of every single one of these pieces and how, they, how they're going to work for our good. You see, when you're doing a jigsaw puzzle, the key to completing it is having the box, right? Right? I mean, on the front or the back of the box, it gives you, like, what the final product is going to look like. And so you know that, like, you can find this purple piece and go, all right, there's purple in the box, so I know it's going to be in this general area. I can see that it's going to make up, maybe it's a sunset right here. But for you and I, as we walk through this life and we trust Jesus with our lives, we don't necessarily have the box, and so we're left in life holding these pieces going, like, here's a purple one. Here's a, here's a blue one. Uh, this one has a window on it. And we're like, what, what, what does that mean? Like, how do, how do these things actually fit? God, how do these things actually work for good? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm holding all these things in my life, God, all these moments, all these hard times. The church in that day was like, 
facing all of these sufferings. And Paul knew that because he wrote about it to him. And, and they were asking questions. And he's writing to him to say, I know that you are facing hardship. We live in a world that is tainted by sin. It's not going to be easy. But I can promise you something, Paul says. We're not alone in this life. And God is working as, out this masterpiece. Like a, like, a, like a sculptor who's got this wad of clay. And as life goes, he's shaping it and forming it through all these events to ultimately be what he's called us to be. And Paul says, we can know that. We can have confidence in that. We can have hope for tomorrow. We can have assurance in our weakness that God didn't just throw us out in this world to be on our own, but we can walk day by day in relationship with him, learning and seeking and trusting that he has got our best path in mind. You see, I can't, you can't, we can't trust every word that every person has ever spoken to us. I know that because I've lied, right? Like we've all lied at times. We know that, that not every word that we hear, we can take 100% as truth. But I promise you, there's never been a promise in this word that I haven't found to be true. There's not a guarantee of scripture that will not be fulfilled. And Paul says we can trust it. When our life takes us into uncharted territory and down the path we hit a bump or we go up this hard hill, we know that even those moments have purpose. When the puzzle is finally put together and our journey comes to an end, there's this picture of who God was shaping us to be this whole time. And, and today, we've got to exercise faith that as we trust him in every moment, one day he will bring it to completion. And I think verse 29 and 30 show us that. This is what he says. He says, for those that he foreknew, he also predestined to what? To be conformed into the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. You see, the last assurance we can hold on to today is this, is that God's greatest assurance is that through Jesus, we will one day be glorified. You see, the church in Rome was, 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 was nervous. They were scared. They were facing things that, 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 that we haven't faced here in America. Not that I've known of yet. And he's saying, no matter what happens, no matter what's coming your way, the promise of eternity with God is a guarantee all of this temporary stuff that, that's happening in our lives that, that we can't make sense of today have a purpose. That purpose is ultimately so that we would look like Jesus and be with him in eternity. In a glorified body, in the presence of God, in all of his glory. You see, it says in his, in his resurrection, Jesus would be 
the first to raise from the dead. And it says that after him, many would come. That's why it says he's the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. And in this life today, we look to Jesus as our example. We trust God in, in the good and the bad so that he would shape us and mold us and lead us into the image of his son. And one day that will be complete. One day we will have glorified bodies in a place where sin has not tainted anything. Where chaos and turmoil aren't words that are even used. When weakness is something of the past. And we're in the perfection standing there of our Savior. You see, before this, in chapter 8, Paul also says that we are co-heirs with Jesus. Meaning that in life after death, our inheritance is with him. Our inheritance is to be with God in all perfection. And I think that, that we can have confidence in this today because the way that Paul talks here, if you notice, is, is all of the adjectives he used there are, are in the past tense. Predestined, justified, glorified, called. As if they've already taken place. Today, you and I can, can believe God's word as if it is already set in stone because it is. It says we can know this and we can trust this, that if God has saved us from our sin, then there's no going back on it. We may mess up and we may, we may do stupid things and, and, and hardships may enter into our life, but they're, not, they're, they're never going to get in the way of preventing us to be with God. Now, he's going to use those as we see, or as we saw, he's going to use those for our good. And he's going to shape us and he's going to mold us until ultimately... We're glorified in the presence of Jesus in a sinless place where perfection reigns. You see, these verses today, they may highlight our weaknesses. But I think more than that, I think it highlights God's sovereignty. That as we go through life, there's nothing I can do or say that will ever change the will of God. There's nothing that can happen on a global scale that can change the will of God. And when I have questions and I have doubts and I have insecurities and all of those things well up in my life and, and I'm sleepless at night staring at the ceiling, I know, according to Paul, I can have confidence that God is going to work things in the way that he wants for his purpose. As the band makes their way up today, I, I want us to look at these last two verses. And the reason I have assurance in God's word today is not only for these three promises, but there's one more. And I'm not sure I gave the guys in the back these verses. So if you have your Bible, it's verses 38 and 39. I'll read it to you if it's not on the screen. And this is what it says. It says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, no height, no depth, no any other thing created will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus. 
You see, today God has promised us eternity. He has promised us us that if we put our faith in Jesus, there is nothing, nothing that will ever change that. He died on the cross and offered us the promise of eternity by simply putting our faith in him. By trusting that his ways are better than mine, that he is the son of God, and he stands, sits on his throne today, and one day, one day, when all of this is over, which will seem like such a temporary moment in time, we too will be with him. You see, letting that sink in changes our perspective on things, I believe. Letting those promises take root in our heart changes things. We begin to see that there's purpose within the things that we used to think were meaningless. We can walk through tomorrow with uncertainties, but with confidence. Because if God has promised it, he'll never take it away. He's promised us help. He's promised us that he, he will work it out. Not us. We've just got to walk in faith. And by doing that, one day, when our faith becomes sight, this Jesus that we've been celebrating, that that went to the cross and rose from the dead, will one day be face to face with us. And we will get to see and be with our Savior. See, in just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. That simply means we invite you to make whatever decision God has put on your heart. Maybe it's to get alone with Him and to to pray and, and, and maybe it's to exercise trust today. That even though yesterday was awful, the promise of eternity is enough to help us through. See, for those of you in this room that may not have trusted Jesus yet with your life, all of this sounds maybe like a fairy tale or something good. I don't know. But I can promise you this. I can promise you that if you put your faith in Jesus, your life will be different. You see, I didn't say it would be good because bad things still happen. Hard things still happen. But it'll be different because those promises that we read today will become truth in your heart as you believe in Jesus. So I'm going to be in the back. If you need someone to pray with you, I'll be back there. There may be other people back there as well. Jonathan said you can even come to him and pray. Even while he's playing. He's not singing this next song, I don't think, so, so he can pray. But we want to invite you to make a decision, whatever it may be on your heart, before the Lord today.